Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. I sometimes will preach, I'll sometimes teach, um, but, but everything needs to be brought to you from a, a biblical perspective to help you understand the character and nature of God better. And one of the things that really stuck out to me this week in my time with the Lord, that our God is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. And generally speaking, in, in the church of 2023, we rarely talk about the significance, the importance, the importance, now I'm making up words, the importance of covenant. So today we're going to talk about covenant and what a covenant is. So, um... There's not even a great word in English to describe what a covenant is, so I'm going to use a few words, to, and we're going to have to put the pieces together to, to figure out what a covenant is. Um, a, a covenant would be considered a vow, a, a pledge, a commitment. I, I dare to use the word contract because it's literally not a contract, because it's so much more. But, but God is the creator of, of covenant, and everything that, that we do is done with the Lord through covenant. Covenant is, is a relationship piece. You can enter into a contract with your cell phone company and have no relationship. You can't enter into covenant apart from relationship. And the reason that the Lord will, will create covenant is to get two people working together for a common goal. So the, the Lord wants to accomplish something, so he'll bring two people, or he'll bring himself together and create a covenant to accomplish a goal. So you need to understand, a covenant is a spiritual thing. In fact, in the, in the, in the ancient world, oftentimes a priest might oversee the, the creation of a covenant to make sure that it wasn't just two parties agreeing on something, it's two parties plus God, that, 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 that all God was part of the equation. So um, it, it's hard to say that covenant is a commitment because it's so much more than that. It's, it's more than just giving your word. It's more than your signature. I, I know in Texas, if you look a man in the eye and shake his hand, it's just as good as a covenant, but it's more than that. In Hebrew, the word is berith, and in, in modern Hebrew, it would be brit. But that's the word that means to cut, to cut until blood flows. So you don't create a covenant, you cut a covenant. And from the Old Testament, we, we read that when, when a covenant was created, when a covenant was cut, they would mark that moment in an act of worship by sacrificing an animal. Like, an animal's blood had to be shed to create a covenant. So if you were going to enter into covenant with somebody, you were going to go get a, a, a dove or a bull or a sheep or a goat, and, and the thing about a covenant is you can't undo it. You can break a covenant, but you can't undo it. You, like you can, you can have a marriage annulled, which, by the way, is not biblical because you can't annul something that is a covenant. The point is, you can't undo a covenant. You're about to kill an animal. Blood is about to be shed. Like you can't unkill the goat once the blood is shed. It's a permanent thing to get into covenant. So, um, and what, what happened is in the ancient world, um, they would take the animals, they would cut the animals in half and put one part of the animal here and the other part of the animal here and all the blood and guts would drain together and then the two parties would walk together between 
the, the, the cut pieces amidst all of that blood. They had to go, they would cut covenant and then go through covenant together. So one example of this in, in, in Scripture in the book of Genesis is when God created a covenant with Abram. So you have to remember, Abram was almost 100 years old, and he and his wife had never had babies, and they were never going to have babies. And God said, I- I'm going to give you so many babies that there's going to be countless babies, and they're going to call you a great nation. So in Genesis chapter 15, he said, bring me a heifer that's three years old, a female goat that's three years old, a ram that is three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought all of these and he cut them in half. He laid each side against each other, but he did not cut the birds in half, duh. And then in verse 17, the fire of God came that night and passed between those pieces of animal. So God created, God cut, and then they went through covenant with Abram. So if if I couldn't possibly make it more clear, a a covenant is not just a commitment. A, A covenant is not like a contract. Like we've all bought a car and you've had to sign like a telephone book of paperwork. I just use an illustration that nobody under 25 knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Casey, are you 24 still? 25, so you know what a phone book is. So, okay, a phone book in the old days was a really thick book with phone numbers in it because there was no Google. So when you buy a car, when you buy a house, if you were to ever sign up for cell phone service, you're just clicking okay and putting your initials at the end, but what you're signing is this huge document that says I'm agreeing to this contract. And in a contract, we're looking to protect our rights and limit our responsibility. A covenant is the exact opposite. A covenant says I'm gonna lay down my rights, I'm gonna pick up your rights, and I'm gonna pick up your responsibility that I'm dying to myself so that we can live for one another. That's a covenant. So there's two types of covenant in the Bible that we see. Uh, There is a conditional covenant and an unconditional covenant. A A conditional covenant is you do your part and I'll do my part, and as long as neither one of us break the covenant, we are in this thing together. But you can break your part and then the covenant is broken. So um, in Genesis chapter two, God comes to Adam and Eve. And he says, listen, you guys can have the Garden of Eden, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth, have dominion over the garden. This thing is yours. And as long as you obey this one rule, I'm going to give you one rule, don't eat that one tree. Everything else is yours. It was a covenant, but it was a conditional covenant. And then, of course, you know, we all know Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve broke the one rule that there was, and they sinned against God, and they broke the covenant, and then God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden because they, they broke covenant. So it was conditional. It was you do your part, I'll do my part. If you don't do your part, it's over, I'm breaking it off. So th- th- that's an example of a conditional covenant. So, um, and then if you, if you go down to um, Hosea chapter six and verse seven, um, this is when Hosea was describing uh, mankind's unfaithfulness. He said, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant and then they were dealt, they dealt faithlessly with God. See, if you make a covenant with God, if you make a covenant with your spouse, you have to be faithful to the covenant. But Adam and Eve were unfaithful to that covenant. They broke that covenant. Let me give you an example of an unconditional covenant. Now, this is something that no matter what, the covenant stands. Doesn't matter what you do, the covenant stands. You cannot break this covenant. And the first time we read about an unconditional covenant is in Genesis. Um, 
Noah's Ark, mankind that God created just a few generations after Adam and Eve is extremely wicked. The entire world is wicked. People are, are just living in um, sexual sin and uh, drunkenness and, and, and it is just sin on top of sin. And the Lord looks down and he's grieved at all of the sin in mankind's heart. He said, we're gonna do a do-over. We're just gonna wipe out everybody with a big flood. I'll save a couple of people. And then everybody, instead of being descendants of Adam and Eve, everybody will be a descendant of Noah. So the, God floods the earth, everybody dies. So that's why we put it up on all of our children's nurseries. Look at this, this is when God killed millions of people. Isn't that nice? They all drowned, two by two. So after the flood, Genesis chapter nine, God says, I'm gonna establish my covenant with you. He's talking to mankind, he's talking to Noah. He said, I will never again kill everybody with the waters of a flood. I will never again use a flood to destroy the earth. So this is, this is unconditional because God knows everything and he knows that man is gonna sin and that, that, that mankind will sin more and more. But regardless of as much sin as in the world, God says, I will never, ever, ever again destroy everybody with a flood. It's an unconditional covenant. Doesn't matter what you do, God says, I will keep my side of the covenant. So conditional covenant, if you keep your part, I keep my part, we're in this thing together. Unconditional covenant, nothing you do can break this. So um, there's even a, a, a land, a, a, a very clear example of a conditional covenant is with the land of Israel. God told the Jewish people, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29 and 30, if you're taking notes for homework, he said, listen, if you guys obey the laws of Moses, you know, you obey the Ten Commandments, um, you can have the entire land of Israel. You don't, it, it's a gift. I, I just want you to, to occupy and multiply and be fruitful in the land of Israel. But you have to obey the law. You have to obey these rules. And, and if, you, if you don't obey God's rules, then the covenant is broken and I'm taking the land away from you. You do your part, I'll do my part. So in the same way, what happened to Adam and Eve? The people of Israel, for a while, they started out honoring God, but over time, they were disobedient, they were no longer worshiping the way they were supposed to, they were worshiping other idols and demon gods, and, and, and it broke God's heart, and then he, he did. He drove the people out and they were scattered all over the earth from the land of Israel. There was a conditional covenant. Some covenants could be created between two people, um, if, if you were going to buy land or buy cattle, oftentimes you would invite God into the covenant, into the, the, the transaction, and, and you would create covenant with somebody. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 20 that, that young David and Jonathan created a covenant between the two. And um, in part, if you look at it prophetically, that's why David became king. It wasn't just because of the anointing of Samuel to become king, but because Jonathan, who was the rightful heir to Saul's throne, he gave David his ring. He gave David his robe. He, he said, basically, if I'm ever gone, you are the next king of Israel. And of course, we know that Saul and Jonathan were killed, and David became the next king. So a personal covenant would be between two people. And it was, you know, blood would have to be shed. I mean, it was, it was an, like imagine Facebook Marketplace back then. That's every time you're going to buy a $20 love seat, you'd have to like cut up some animals. And be like, you know, love seat in pretty good condition. But after we cut covenant together, we're going to need some hydrogen peroxide to clean up the blood. Like a covenant, that joke was funnier when I wrote it yesterday. <laughs> and now I'll, I'll have to go back and rewrite it for... When I preach this sermon on Sunday, it won't be, I'll just take it out, just take it out. 
Remember the word covenant means to cut. Brit means to, to cut until blood flows. But there is another um, element of the, 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 the meaning of the translation. So not just to cut, but it can mean a covenant can be a covering. And when you cut covenant with somebody, you come in under a covering together. So a covenant can create like a, a safe place, a protection, a shelter, a refuge. It's a place of security when you're in covenant with somebody or when you're in covenant with God. There's a financial security from being in a covenant. You feel safe because you know that there's another person that is protecting your interest on the other side of the covenant. So even in, like if you look at just a couple of quick covenants in, in, in the Bible, the Sabbath Working six days and then resting for one whole 24-hour period, the Sabbath is a covenant with God. Lord, I'm going to give you know, my hardest work to six days, but then I'm going to give you the seventh day, and, if, and I trust that you'll give me rest, you'll give me peace, you'll give me financial blessing because I'm honoring you with the Sabbath. You're coming into covenant with God. Um, the same thing is true with tithing. It, it, when you take the first 10% of your income and you're trusting God with that first 10%, you're saying, Lord, I'm coming into covenant with you, uh, that, that you would shelter, you would cover, you would protect my finances because I'm giving you what belongs to you first. I, I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% that is outside of the shelter of a covenant with God. In the Old Testament, we see several times that, that to, to circumcise young boys was a covenant with God. It was, it was a symbol that this child, this young boy, belongs to God. And, and that, that, that it is a cutting. It, it's, it's both. It, blood was shed when, when these boys would be circumcised because it was a blood covenant that you would have with God, which fast forward to, to, to marriage. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is, is a personal covenant, but it's also a blood covenant. And, and marriage provides safety and protection and trust between both parties. And if you look at the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve, there was no wedding chapel. Sex is the act that creates covenant with two people, which is why God says we're never supposed to have sex with anybody but our spouse. No sex should happen outside of the covenant of marriage. You shouldn't live with people, you shouldn't sleep around, you shouldn't be shacked up with people. God created that we would have sex with one person for our entire life until death do us part, or until somebody else breaks that covenant, which is why if somebody cheats on a spouse, they're like, oh yeah, I tripped and fell at a Christmas party and I, you know, I had an affair. No, you broke your covenant. You made a vow, and then you broke it by having that affair. So you have to renew your vows and repent and break the other covenant. Which is, mm, no, because last time I did this, I got made fun of for years. That's why God created the hymen. It's a blood covenant when you get married. There's no other purpose for that little sack of blood. It's supposed to be broken when the two become one flesh. Two virgins entering into a covenant with God for the rest of their lives. A wedding ring is a covenant. It's, it's a symbol that, that I am in covenant with somebody. Like some people are like, oh, I don't really wear a wedding ring. I would encourage you to do so. I would encourage you to do so because it is a public symbol of the covenant that you have with your spouse. Or it's like, like your wedding ring or your, your, your engagement ring is not a piece of jewelry. It's a symbol of your covenant that you have with somebody. You can't just change it out whenever you feel like it. You're in covenant with somebody. See, 
It's, some people are like, that's so, you know, draconian, like old school way of thinking. Yeah, isn't it great? I'd rather believe in the thing that God created and it's been going really well for 6,000 years than whatever pop culture is teaching us today in the last 10 minutes. When we stop fighting against God's laws and rules and we humble ourselves and we surrender our lives to God's ways, life gets so much easier. The laws, the rules, the covenant is actually there for our benefit. God wants to bring us into covenant. God wants to protect us. God wants to cover us. God wants to bless us under covenant. Like when when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, these were stone tablets that were cut from the rock. And when Moses came down the mountain, they had sacrificed animals in worship. It was a blood covenant to agree to those Ten Commandments. But it was for their benefit. God was covering the people with blessing, protection, favor, prosperity. I'm going to bless you if you'll honor this end of the covenant. God is a covenant creating and God is a covenant keeping God. It is a giant portion of his character and nature. You cannot understand God apart from covenant. So, fast forward through the Old Testament where all those prophets, they started seeing things about the future. And did I hear somebody say there's gonna be a new covenant? Can you imagine like the water cooler gossip that one of the prophets, Jeremiah, said something about a new covenant between God and people? Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declare those the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I'm gonna make in the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I'm gonna put the law within their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. When, when Jeremiah said there is a new covenant coming, that's a really, really big deal. And the law is not going to be written on stone. The law is going to be written on our hearts. God is not going to be a destination. God is going to be a part woven into who we are, that he is, he, he's the one we live for on the inside. And this word new, I, I, I looked it up. Yes, it does mean you know new. It's the word chadash. But there is an element of the word new that means new like an invention, new like something that's never been seen before on the earth. Not new like you you had a 2022 car and then the 2023 car came out and all they did was like change the carpeting. You know, it's like, it's the exact same car. He said, I'm gonna create a new covenant and you've never seen anything like it. It, it, You can't even imagine what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be written on your heart because our God is awesome. And he never meant for a covenant to be a religion. He always meant for covenant to be an aspect of our relationship with him. And the first covenant was amazing, but the second covenant is even better. It's as if the first covenant was a coloring book in black and white, but the new covenant, it it keeps the same coloring book, but now it's in full color in 3D and smell-o-vision and VR and AI. And like the new covenant is amazing if you'd really study it and understand it. In general, I mean, just in totally round numbers, the old covenant was a conditional covenant, but when you enter into a covenant with God through Jesus, it is an unconditional covenant. And, and, and it doesn't matter if you sacrifice animals anymore because when they sacrificed animals in the Old Testament, it never removed their sin. It would always temporarily cover their sin, but it didn't remove their sin. 
So this new covenant that we have with God is eternal. It is far superior. It is a once and for all covenant. The price has been paid for, for, through Jesus for our sin. The, the, the lamb of God was shed. The blood of the, of the animal, of Jesus, was shed so that we could enter into covenant with God. And he does not cover our sins. He removes our sins. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy. He opens a door into the very presence of God. That you don't come to God through religion. You come to God through the relationship of covenant. It's powerful. The old covenant written on, you want to clap, clap. I can just, you're like, I'm excited about a new covenant. Yeah. The old covenant was written on scrolls. The new covenant is written on my heart. The old covenant was, was written in rules. This new covenant is written in my worship, my adoration. The, the old covenant, we were slaves to God. We had to work for God. In the new covenant, we've been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. He, he, he signed our adoption papers in his blood. The old covenant was, was an outside religion. The, the new covenant is an inside passion. It's a fire that burns in my heart, and it's based on love. See, being with a covenant with God is not a religious exercise. It's a relational exercise. I really know and I trust the person in whom I'm in covenant with. So do, let's fast forward to Jesus. Jesus is um, still living. He hadn't shed his blood yet, so they're still living under the old covenant. You guys get that, right? Jesus and the disciples, his ministry was introducing the new covenant, but until he shed his blood, they're still living under the old covenant. But then right before Jesus is crucified, in fact, the night before, they're celebrating the Passover Seder together, in 1 Corinthians, Jesus said, Paul says, I'm going to give you what I got from the Lord himself. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it, broke it into pieces, and said, this is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Drink this in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup... You're proclaiming his death until he returns again. You have to imagine. It's late at night. They've been eating this long meal that takes hours and hours and hours. Jesus breaks the bread. He passes it around. He said, guys, this is my body that I've asked you to eat. And they're like, oh, thank God, because we were all preparing to actually eat your body. Because Jesus said, you want to follow me? You've got to eat my body. And, and the Bible also says that a lot of people left following Jesus when he said that. But these, these 12 were like, no, we're in, game on. We're going to eat his flesh, we're going to drink his blood. And then he hands them a piece of bread and said, this is my broken body. And they're like, yes. And then he pours a cup and he said, fellas, this is the new covenant. My blood is the new covenant. Can you imagine the goosebumps that went down their back? And then the next day when they're watching Jesus be crucified and they saw his blood being poured out of his body, dripping down that cross, the passion in their heart to know that they will have a covenant with God the Father because of the blood of Jesus. Every time you take communion, you should be remembering that the Lamb of God was sacrificed so that we could enter into covenant with God and that Jesus is the embodiment of that new covenant that we have with God. If we would repent of our sin, ask him to forgive us, accept Jesus into our hearts, make him the Lord, the King, the eternal God of our lives, he would enter into an eternal covenant with us that we would never ever be the same again. But did you notice that we have to come to the Father 
through Jesus. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way into a relationship with God except through Jesus. Jesus said it in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father, what? Except through me. Remember that a covenant, you take the pieces of the animal, you kill it, you separate it, and then you and the parties that you're entering into covenant with, you walk through it together. Jesus said, we're entering into a covenant with God because you're coming through me to get there. He is the lamb that was slain. His blood is the covering that provides washing away of sin and sanctification, redemption, holiness, purity. See, you can try to have a relationship with God with religion. It's always going to fail apart from a new covenant. You have to go through Jesus. And the beautiful thing is it's unconditional, but it's also undeserved. It's grace. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. He loves us so much is why he allowed himself to be sacrificed. He loves us so much is that he makes himself death so that we can receive life. So he needs us to be a covenant people. He needs us to understand the significance and the importance of what it means to live in covenant, that we are in covenant with God, that we, are, that, that, that we, are in, we come through the power and the blood of Jesus into that relationship. And of course, we know the illustration, I taught on it just a month ago, that marriage is an illustration of, of a covenant that we have. And, and God says that we are married to him, that we are his bride and he is the bridegroom. And we are meant to be keepers of the covenant, keepers of our word. Husbands, let me tell you, you need to provide a covering, a safe place for your wives. She needs to trust you implicitly. Now that's true for men and women, that you are dying to yourself so that you can live for another. You're dying to yourself, to your rights, to your wishes, to your desires so that you can serve another. And it, what it does is it creates a safe place in our hearts. We're building a covenant with one another. You own me. I'm giving myself to you, but I own you. We're in this thing together. Some homework for you. The writer of Hebrews writes a lot about the new covenant, Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. I obviously don't have time to get into all of it with you. But the writer says that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. During the old covenant, at very best, an animal's blood could cover your sin, but it could not remove your sin. Jesus is saying, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, I will remove your sins and take them away as far as the east is from the west. Now, there is also, if you continue reading what the writer of Hebrews writes, a very significant and stern warning if you do not take the covenant seriously. We can't take our salvation lightly. We have to be extremely serious about what God has done for us. See, remember, for there to be a covenant cut, something had to die. So the Father knows that Jesus died for us to create that covenant. So when we break a covenant, it brings death. Something had to die to create it. Something will die if we break it, if we dishonor it. So there's a severe warning to people that don't honor the covenant that we have with Jesus. It, I want you to study this out later. I'm going to read it to you now, but I won't have time to break it down. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Dear friends at Uncommon Church that are reading this in 2023, listen carefully. If we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. 
For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses, the old covenant, was put to death without mercy on the testimony of just two or three witnesses. So think about how much worse the punishment will be for those that have trampled on the Son of God. Guys, roll that verse back. I'm going to read it one more time. Think about how much worse the punishment will be for those that have trampled on the Son of God. Just, okay. And treated the blood of the covenant, which has made us holy, as if we were common and unholy. We're not common. We are uncommon. And by trampling on the blood of the covenant of Jesus, we have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit that brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one that said, I will take revenge and I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his very own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. See, God the Father saw the agony that Jesus went through on the cross. And he does not want anyone to take Jesus' sacrifice lightly. If you know about the love of God and you know the forgiveness of sin, you know the truth, and then you continue in your sin after knowing the truth. You're trampling on the Father's Son. You're insulting the blood that was shed. And God says, I will avenge anybody that dishonors Jesus' blood. So I needed to, to read you that warning. A lot of people don't know that's in the scriptures. He's not talking to, church, to unchurched people. He's talking to churchy church people. He's talking to people that, that know better. If you continue sleeping with people you're not married to, if you continue to get drunk and get high on the weekends, if you continue looking at porn, if you continue getting angry, if you continue in your sin when you know better, you're trampling the blood of Jesus. And he says that he would avenge anyone that dishonors Jesus' blood. So that's the big scary warning but flip the coin over. There's a great big giant blessing for everybody that learns about covenant, accepts God, like lives for covenant. There's a blessing, there's a covering, there's a protection, there's a prosperity for those that are all in on having covenant. Think about marriages that are super healthy, super godly. The two people are completely dead to themselves and living for each other, serving each other, loving each other. They could be married 30, 40 years and they're just still gross like high school kids in love with each other. Because they're providing a, a sanctuary, a shelter for one another. God says the same thing. If you'll honor me, if you'll honor this covenant, I will bless you. I will prosper you. I will give you health and strength because it is in my nature and my character to do so. I don't want a relationship apart from covenant. I don't want religion. I want covenant with you. The beautiful thing about God and about covenant is there's no secrets in a covenant. God's not hiding anything from us. He's inviting us to search the word and to search his character and nature and to fully embrace everything that is him. He wants to share it with us. The same should be true in marriage. There's no secrets in marriage. There's no passwords in, uh, that, that your spouse doesn't know in marriage. There's no bank accounts. There's no relationships. There's no DMs that your spouse doesn't know about. You share everything. That's, uh, that's a covenant. That there's no secret. I, I hate when people are like, well, I need to tell you something, but it's a secret. I don't believe in secrets. Because secrets are apart from a covenant. The hop up on your feet. The, the, the beautiful thing about a covenant 
with God is that it invites us. It is, it is a written invitation into a place of worship that cannot be accessed apart from covenant. In the same way in marriage, we would say, I am dead to myself and you are mine and I am yours. That's the invitation we have in worship. If we understand the covenant that we have with God, we would understand that we're invited into this intimate place in worship. He is mine. I am his, but he is mine. So I'm going to go after and pursue his presence. When you understand covenant, it is an invitation into the supernatural. Everything that the Father has is mine. As it is in heaven, let it be done on the earth. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, where? On earth, as it is in heaven. And in heaven, God has healing, health, strength, freedom, deliverance, blessing, prosperity. And he says, what you've got there, I want it here. So it's an invitation into the supernatural. When you understand covenant, it's the foundation for faith. I trust the Bible, I trust God, I trust his word, I trust his laws. It builds trust, it builds accountability. I am, I'm accountable to this covenant. We know God cannot fail, so it's up to me to not goof this thing up. If you enter into covenant with a business partner, with somebody in your you group, with a pastor, we had one of our pastors fell into sin. And it hurt, like soul hurt. Because I, I was in covenant with this man to lead my house, to lead my home, to lead my heart. And when he walked away and was in sin, it hurt. When you break covenant, it should hurt. But when you honor covenant, it should bring you life and strength and joy. It should make your stand up a little straighter and your, your shoulders back a little more. And you feel like you could do anything because you're in covenant. It brings life into you. There's a blessing in that. So your homework is to to study, to read about covenants from Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, and to respond to the invitation that God wants to do something, so he wants to accomplish it together with you. So he's inviting you into this partnership of covenant. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, that you'd never be apart from his presence and his power. He wants you to experience his love and his power everywhere you go. And if you're not right with God, he's inviting you into covenant. Because he's already died on the cross, he's not gonna do that again. He's offering you this unconditional covenant. We just need to surrender to him. Ask him to forgive us, die to ourselves so we can live for him. So if you're here this morning or you're watching on YouTube and you're not right with God, today is your day to get right with God. Today is your day to repent, ask God to forgive you, to just die to yourself so that you can get into covenant. You, you go through Jesus to get to the Father. It's an invitation of love. He loves you so much. That's why he died on the cross for you. He loves you so much. He's crazy about you. He wants to wash away your sin. He doesn't want to cover your sin. He wants to wash away your sin. And if you've been living a double life, if you've not been honoring the covenant, if you've been continuing to live in sin and trampling on the blood of the covenant of Jesus, you need to repent. Nothing is a secret to God. There's no secrets in covenant. You need to repent and ask God to forgive you, wash you and cleanse you. So you might be praying this prayer for the first time. You might be praying this prayer for the first time in a long time, but you absolutely cannot try to hide sin from God. That's not covenant. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, I ask that you would teach us, reveal to us more about covenant, that we can honor the covenant and honor our part in the covenant, that we can lay down our lives so we can live for you. We can die to ourselves so we can live for you. We want to be in covenant with you. We want to experience that joy, that, that, that freedom, that love, that, that peace that comes from being in covenant with the God of the universe. Lord, I've got friends here today that are not right with you. They're trying to hide sin, they're, they're far from you, but I, I just thank you for your great love that is always inviting us back. If there's people here today or watching online that need to get right with you, God, I pray that you would just make them bold and brave to surrender their lives to you right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you need to pray and get right with God, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, I wanna lead you in a prayer, but I'd like to know who I'm praying for. If, you, if that's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you shoot your hand up real high so I know who I'm praying for? I see your hand, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand and your hand. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Yeah. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Yay, God. Yay, God. All right, YouTube. I saw five or six people shoot their hand right up right away and be like, all right, today's my day. No more playing around. I'm getting serious about covenant. Right there between you and that screen. If your heart's beating out of your chest and you know that today is your day, just between you and God, raise your hand. And if you believe this prayer, why don't we all pray it together? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I repent. I surrender my life to you. I die to myself so I can live for you. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. I receive the gift of eternal life. I receive the gift of your love I receive the gift of covenant with you I will honor this covenant I will live for this covenant I will enter into this covenant to worship you serve you all the days of my life being in covenant with you is my highest joy thank you Lord for forgiving me for filling me your power with your love in Jesus name if you agree say amen hey for those of you that just prayed that prayer I'm so proud of you golly I'm so proud of you wow 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 all right let's do something different I know we're supposed to pray and we will in just a moment but how about right now we take communion right in this moment right here right now so the, if you didn't grab communion elements the ushers are going to be in the aisles with communion elements just reach over and grab one out of the bucket pull that bread off the top you're going to take communion for some of you for the first time truly understanding what it means to be in covenant with the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus this is not a religious exercise this is a relational exercise this is a symbol of the covenant that we have with God through Jesus his body and his blood thank you for listening to the uncommon church podcast if this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.